The Bay is CKARFM, Muskoka's local station since 2009. Locally owned and operated by Hunters Bay Radio, Inc. Comments on our broadcast are welcome. Shoot us an email at comments at muskokaradio.com. Sports Beat on the Bay. Good morning, everybody. This is Sportsbeat, 88.7 on your dial for Wednesday, March 15th with Dave Percival and... Dan Caswell. And... Grant's here as well. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. This is a very, very exciting day for us here at Sportsbeat. We have Aaron Volpatti calling in from Revelstoke, B.C., I believe. Um, I'm in I don't, Okanagan right now, guys. But. My apologies, Aaron. I, I make many mistakes, <laughs> as you'll find out during the course of this show. But uh, we're, we're, oh, thrilled, yeah. we're thrilled to have you uh, calling in. And uh, author of Fighter, ex-NHL player, Vancouver Canucks, Washington Capitals. Thank you so much, Aaron. Pleasure to have you along. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to the chat. Yeah, well, I was going to ask, Aaron, if you could, if you could start us out, if just give us a little bit of background, if you'd be kind enough, uh, and get us, get us started. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in small town Revelstoke, uh, like you mentioned, and yeah, kind of was... You know, like a lot of young kids had had the dream of playing pro hockey at a young age, but I, I really wasn't that good, and that was a big part of the story. I mean, I was, you know, above average, but I got cut from the select team, played house hockey at 14, and, and barely snuck into junior A as a fighter, and, you know, wasn't destined to play pro hockey, and then I, you know, went through this, this massive uh, burn injury, and to say to say it was a long shot uh, would be an understatement, and that's a big part of, of what my story and my book is about. Now, with uh, with you saying that you're you know you were say above average hockey player, you must have been an above average student because uh, you know you you went to Brown University, which is an Ivy League school. You were in pre med. Uh, talk to us about uh, your experiences at Brown. Yeah, Brown was an amazing life experience i mean i would like to think i'd get in there without hockey but that's probably just not true uh <laughs> with that said though i mean honestly again you know i i just had to work harder than than most people and you know that was no different from from my pre-med classes you know a lot of the students there they had the the natural smarts and not to say i i did it to some degree but yeah, I basically just had to to work harder to to achieve that degree as well. Um, I, I had decent grades in, in high school, and and basically that just it made it easier to get recruited, right? To the especially to the the Ivy League schools, right? They have to keep like a certain uh, average, I believe. I I don't think it's changed now, but the team has to keep a certain average, so. Again, if you have good grades, it makes you easier to be recruited, essentially. Oh, that's great. Now, you're uh, captain of the hockey team there, and I was uh, I looked up your stats, and one stat line really jumped out at me was your final year. You had uh, you played all 37 games. 
Yeah, 17 goals, 15 assists for 32 points. But with a, the NCAA, there isn't you know a lot of fighting. How did you amass 115 minutes in penalties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, let's just say there was a lot of injuries. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's a few funny stories about that, but yeah, they were mostly from hitting, really. Yeah. Uh, and then you could get the odd 10 minute misconduct if. You know, if guys would would come at you after that, right. but uh, yeah, actually, I didn't know. So I actually set the uh, penalty minute record for Brown that uh, <laughs> that year. I didn't know that until the the last game of the season, and <laughs> it was brought to my attention. And the ref said something, and let's just say we worked out a little agreement at the end of the game where he threw the hands on the hips and gave me a ten minute to set the record. Nice and. Yeah. Uh, but then my another guy from Brown shattered it the next year. Um, but yeah, you got to remember, like I graduated at at 25 years old. I was, you know, 215 pounds, and and I hit hard before that year when I was 15 pounds lighter and a year younger. And you know, there's 18 year old kids coming in at 160. Let's just say there was there were some injuries there. Uh, there's a big difference. Wow. And maturity levels. Um, if I can just yeah. double back on you and. Uh, you had, for our listeners out there, uh, you were involved in a horrific uh, incident uh, with regard to a campfire. Yeah. And 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 how did that, and I guess, you know, if you could take us through a little bit of that, I know it's going to be pretty tough, but if you could just uh, take us through. Yeah, no, I, I've told it enough times now, and it's, a, it's you know, the main part of, of the book. And, you know, basically I was, I was that guy, I was that kid that, like a lot of us maybe at that age, but thought he was invincible, um, was doing stupid things for attention, adrenaline, feeding a young ego. I, I thought I had to live up to the, you know, the old fighter stereotype and, yeah, just, just doing dumb things. And that included being a pyro, and we lost out in the league finals in 2005 when I was playing in Vernon and yeah, I was, I was messing around with gas and fire and one thing led to another and I, I was lit on fire. And I mean, that's not putting it lightly. I was, I was literally lit on fire running through the woods trying to get it out. And unfortunately in in the moment, you know, I just bolted and you can't, you need to smother a gas fire, which I didn't realize, you know, obviously in the moment and clearly didn't respect the dangers of, of gasoline and, and the vapors associated with that, right? And so, yeah, the damage had been done, and I got got airlifted to, to Vancouver General Hospital that night. Once I was, you know, deemed stable, and 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 this is where the the whole journey really started for me. And in my career, was I was told it was over when I was in the burn unit. So that's again where the where the journey really started. Yeah, so let's uh, talk about your book that's coming out. Again, it's called Fighter Defying the NHL Odds. Um, the cinematic mind mapping. What is that? Mm. <laughs> that's my visualization practice that... So what I tell people is this, this practice of visualization that I've, that I've learned through education at Brown and, and research thereafter, but especially 
through these experiences I've had in my life, this visualization practice has gotten me out of the burn unit a lot sooner than I was supposed to, come back to play hockey when I was told that that wasn't possible, and get a scholarship to Brown at you know almost 21 years old, and I'd never talked to a scout at that point, and later propelled me to the NHL, and like you mentioned, those stats my, my senior year, that wasn't that did, didn't just happen, or that wasn't luck. There was a reason behind that, and, and it was due to this. Um, but but the biggest thing, arguably for me, is it also saved my life after hockey. When you know life hit me really hard after hockey, and you talk about that that loss of identity, uh, you know it just ended for me. I had a career-ending neck injury. My spine was fused, and and then that was just it was it. It was over. And you know on top of that, just a ton of personal adversities with family and again the identity crisis was was real for me so I really struggled after that and so I I would say it saved my life as well and that's why I'm so passionate about you know teaching it now and in what I do in my day-to-day. So with the you know with the struggles you talk about and and you know requiring the the cinematic mind mapping for yourself was was this something that was developed uh, uh, by you through uh, the need, uh, the personal need, or did you did you understand this for you know for other people to help them as well? But it just so happened that it was timely uh, with yourself as well. Yeah, well, I so I developed this, and that's a good question. People always ask me, "How did you discover this practice?" and I discovered it in the burn unit when I had the, you know, I call it my, my first very real epiphany when I got a call from my coach in the burn unit two weeks into my stay there. And he said he had been chatting with one of the coaches from Brown University and that, that they were looking for a certain type of player. His exact words were they wanted a guy to put the fear of God in the defenseman of the Ivy League. And <laughs> I was cut. That was kind of my job, and he's like, well, I got the perfect guy for you. There's just, you know, one major problem. He's in the burn unit, and the, the future doesn't look promising, which was an understatement, right? I mean, at that point, the doctor had already – so I remember asking the doctor that – I think it was the third day, you know, he kind of relayed the prognosis. He said, you're going to be in here for a really long time. Uh it's going to be a long road. You're going to make a full recovery, but it's going to be a long road. You're 40% second, third degree burns. And and that was kind of it. So my career was over, like I said, because I asked him, I have camp in, in three and a half, four months, my last year in junior. And <laughs> I'll never forget the look on his face. And he just froze and said, you're not going to be playing hockey in a few months. These recoveries can take years. Right. And anyway, so, Fast forward these two weeks, I get this call, uh, and then I end up talking to Brown University and hung up the phone getting pretty emotional and thinking, man, I've worked my whole life to talk to one of these guys, and look where I am. I've finally done it, and I'm wrapped like a mummy, and I can't move, and I'm bedridden in a burn unit. And so this is how I discovered visualization, because I couldn't move. So once I had made the choice that I was going to come back and play, regardless of what anyone was telling me, then I figured that was my only chance because, again, my mind was all I had. 
so I had heard of visualization. And again, I figured that was the only way. So I started imagining everything that I wanted and, and healing. You know, even at a cellular level, I would imagine those, those areas shrinking. And, and again, the cinematic mind mapping comes from, you know, really thinking about it like a movie. So I would essentially direct a movie of what I wanted this journey and what I wanted my life to look like. And if you're able to create the experience in your mind, your, your brain doesn't actually know the difference. So I essentially was able to transport myself out of my physical reality into this reality that I wanted to live. And then I, you know, you slowly become that. And you've been, you, long, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say long-winded answer to, but that's, that's really where it all stemmed from for me. The thing that I'm impressed with is that, that you, you seem to imply this before you even knew what it was or what it was that you were doing. And not only, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've heard so far, you've done this twice at two very pivotal moments in your life. You did this when you uh, first found out that, uh, you know, after the burn, that, that perhaps your, your dreams of, of having a career as a professional hockey player were going to be taken away from you. And if I'm correct, you did it again once you had to stop your hockey career uh, due to injury and just kind of have that moment of, oh, wait a second, before I was an NHL hockey player, and, and now, you know, I'm just a nobody. I'm not saying that's what you are, but th those are two, yeah. s two specific situations. Let, that, let's be honest, a lot of people, even one of those situations, would have been enough to break them. You know what I mean? That's why I think it's incredible what you're doing now with your understanding of it, with your writing the book, and also being a, like a, a spokesperson towards people that are dealing with issues that might be similar to what you have gone through and are continuing to go through. So, I mean, we applaud you for that. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and I think we all go through, through adversity, right? And that's not a matter of if, that's, that's when. And, you know, you build that, that grit and the resilience in those hard times and visualization can be hugely impactful in, in those times, especially. So it's funny that, you, that, you, that we say this now that we're talking about it, where when I was younger, like in the burn unit, you know, I didn't have the wherewithal to think like, hey, if I can do that, what else can I do? Right? I was just... When I got to Brown, that was my NHL. I didn't even think about pro hockey. And that's when I had this, this other epiphany when I was 24 years old. And that's why you see my stats go through the roof that last year because I had totally lost that practice uh, the first three years at Brown. And when my coach asked me one day when I was 24 years old, have you ever thought about playing pro hockey? I laughed in his face. And I said, I've literally never thought about it. And then I had, again, this moment where I had to go back and be like, man, if I can overcome this burn injury, why can't I play in the NHL? And then this movie made it happen in my head, right? And But my point is that even after that, I didn't, not that I didn't realize the power of it, but I would always, because, I, again, I was younger, I didn't have the wherewithal to, to realize, but I was using it as a tool to almost, not fix something, but temporarily achieve something, which, again, you can, that's still very useful, but now 
with with after hockey and the power it's had and and even just my personal life now i realize that this is a daily practice i need to to do right and that's the biggest thing that i've learned as i've gotten older where you know i would i would achieve whatever that dream was and then i would not think what's next and i would be like you know okay well i'm here and that's it but no there's always something more right and so that's what i've learned to think about through this practice and just practice it daily. Now with the, uh, you know, the trials that you've had with the couple of uh, moments in your life that have been really, I guess, negative and dark, is there, was there other, uh, you know, latent stuff like anxiety and depression that you had that, you know, that, that assisted during this time, or was it more so the, you know, you talk about uh, after hockey and the, you know, the, the letdown with that or the burn port. And then that was the, you know, that was what the, the catalyst with the uh, with your cinematic mind mapping. Sorry, can you just repeat that first part? Oh, I just wanted to know if there was an element of anxiety or mood disorder that you already had during during any of this time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean different different things for different times i guess you could say so what what i learned was that i'm really good at you know going through physical and mental adversity because i've had a lot of experience with it um and of course there obviously there's there's a huge you know mountain to climb through that i didn't really have any type of anxiety during that that burn injury and and that physical comeback like my mindset really was i i was willing to die before giving up on that dream and and that was that uh when hockey was over and i didn't realize this until until i got older but the emotional and spiritual adversity is very different um and i didn't know how to deal with that and i was just a young immature boy in that sense and that was where the anxiety and the depression started to come in and creep in because I didn't know how to deal with it. Like I said, right? If you put a physical or mental test in front of me, I'll, I can attack that any day. Um, but again, that emotional, spiritual side was something that went deeper and, and I, I hadn't had any experience with that, right? And that's the thing is we, we're all going to go through these times and if we don't have the experience, then yeah, there's, there might be some anxiety and depression. And if you can have techniques and tools to work through that, right. And then guess what? It's going to come again at some point, but then you have that experience and, and, and tools that you've already, you know, you can go back and leverage some of that. Right. So for me, that was, and most of that anxiety and depression came after hockey i just had a quick question i've uh i've suffered from uh some uh, addiction issues uh recovered from mm. most of my life and uh spirituality is a big part of what i do and yeah. obviously and, and i'm curious what your take would be on that because uh it, it is huge in my life and i i don't believe that anything is coincidental um i personally believe there's a, there's a, a lot of spiritual things out there and i was just curious how that has uh, played out for you, sir. Yeah, it's been huge. I think for me, the whole idea of spirituality and energy and 
how we can can change and shape our energy and align that. And I think that's a big part of, of spirituality as well. Um, I think I've been thrust into that a little bit through uh, the events I've had after hockey, which, you know, the book goes into that a lot. But, yeah, thrust into this world of, of spirituality and what it means and, and how our energy and spirituality are all intertwined and how this, you know, the world is, it's much bigger than just, just each individual, right? And how we're all connected. And I, I definitely believe all that. And I felt that um, through this practice and through these events after hockey. So yeah, uh, totally a, a big believer and advocate for practicing there's different ways you can practice it, right? Whether it be gratitude or just tapping into to your body, being more present, right? Connecting with other people, other energies. Absolutely, I think it's it's very powerful. I just want to remind everyone we're talking with Aaron Valpati, uh, author of Fighter: Defying the NHL Odds. Now, Aaron, when did you decide you wanted to write this book? <laughs> oh man, well. It's always been a side project, so after I went through this journey and basically defied the doctor's orders, you know, my, my friends and my teammates were like, you need to write a book because, I mean, they were the ones that saw the behind the scenes of what I, what I truly went through, and no one really knew that. So it's always, it had always been this side project, and then after I retired... Uh, from from the NHL and kicked open different doors. I worked in wealth management for a couple of years. I, I tried these different things and, again, struggled with the identity and struggled to find what was next for me. And and then COVID hit, and I, we talk about, you know, spirituality, and I, I had went on a walk and just sat on a bench and just closed my eyes and meditated, and that's when it popped back into my head. And I at the end of the day, you know, I thought I could – really help people with this and give back and make a difference. And so I, I kind of had to get out of my own way because, you know, as a man in hockey, you're not really taught to lay it all out there, right? And I knew it would be a, a vulnerable experience and that was uncomfortable. But again, at the end of the day, the thought of, of being able to help people and finally tell the story of, of you know, what really happened, that's where it all came from. So I started writing that day, and it was shortly after COVID hit, and then two years later, and it was out. So, <laughs> Well, you talk about what's next. Uh, you know, when you're visualizing on your, on your daily uh, practicing, what is next for, for you? Yeah, so, I mean, A, I, I practice a lot of gratitude through the visualization and just being thankful for where I am now and, and also thankful. I give thanks to all those adversities. And I think that's important because it's shaped who I am. Right. And so I, I usually spend a little bit of time with that, but in terms of what's next, yeah, I just, again, it's, it's, so the great thing about visualization is you get to be whatever, whoever you want in that. Right. So for me, I just imagine, really catapulting my speaking career, my consulting career on all of this stuff. And imagine this book, you know, making 
true impact and, and making a difference in the world, which it's, I think it's done that, and the feedback has been really, really uh, tremendous. And we've you know raised some money for some different initiatives, and we've given back. And the messages I've received are have been have been really cool. You know, people that I know or people I've never even heard from are messaging me and saying that this is making a difference in their lives. And at the end of the day, that's that's why I did it, right? So it's, it's been really good. And you talk about fundraising. Right now, uh, with the sale of your book, you have a fundraiser going on? Yeah, so this week until the 20th, uh, we're donating 40% of the profits from the sales of the book to Hockey Gives Blood, uh, which is, we're partnered with Canadian Blood Services, so I've been involved with, with Hockey Gives Blood for from pretty much the get-go. And again, we just advocate you know, and then spread awareness for blood, plasma, stem cell, organ donation, right? Just because it's a huge need in the world. And for me, obviously the hockey tie is there, but for me and my wife, we both needed blood at different times to save our lives. So it's, it's obviously, it's close to home for me. So, and the 40% comes from the, the burn. So 40% second, third degree burns. And uh, that's the initiative for this week only. We're going to donate uh, 40% back to, to Canadian Blood Services through Hockey Gives Blood. And where can everyone find the book? Amazon's probably the easiest. Yeah. Great. So just go to Amazon, type in my name or fighter, and you'll see it there. And yeah, we're going to donate that 40%. Well, I'll tell you what, Aaron, we are, uh, we're absolutely honored that you joined us on our show. Um, you know, to our listeners out there, please tap into this book, Fighter. Um, Aaron, it's amazing, your adversities and all of the things that you have persevered through. Um, it's extremely impressive, and I'm sure it'll lead other people to, uh, to reevaluate and to do, uh, you know, to look at their lives and, you know, to be their ultimate best selves. So uh, we Absolutely, that's what it's about, yeah. I yeah. thank you guys. Well, we thank you very much, and thank you, thank you. People may even start to take our show a little more seriously now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could have lightened the mood a little bit, but uh, no, I, I appreciate it, guys. That was, that was fun. Okay, well, here before we sign off, uh, you know, we we're we're getting down to the uh, nitty gritty here of uh, of the of the NHL season. Who do you like in the playoffs? Oh yeah, good question. I so it's funny. I haven't really watched a ton of hockey the last seven years until my son's seven now so he's full obsessed uh i i really think the, the bruins are going to be hard to beat based on what they did at the deadline and, and how they look now uh i don't know i i, I like the stars as a bit of a I, I don't know if you could call them a sleeper but I do like the Dallas Stars to maybe make a run out of the West. I think the East is loaded, but if I had to to give you a final prediction, I'd say Boston and Dallas. Okay. Yeah, the East is uh, almost it looks as strong as it ever has been uh, with the teams from top to bottom right now. It's, I feel like the yeah, it's, it's a crazy difference between the West and the East, but... Well, again, again, we thank you so much. And, uh, hey, come back and join us another time, if, if you would. I better tap yeah, into that. Bet. No, that's great. Well, thank yeah, you. All right. Well, thanks again, Aaron. We appreciate it. And to our listeners yeah, out there, you. we appreciate everything you do. I'm Dave for Dave.
Dan, Grant, and Aaron, have a fantastic day. And we'll be back on Friday with more sports. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, this, it's a real interesting thing. 